Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to a Sunday evening Buckeye Talk. You guys are getting this kind of probably late Sunday night. It's about 6.15 on Sunday. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. Nathan and Stephen were just on a conference call with Ryan Day and Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham. Buckeyes and Utes. Is it the Utes? It's not just like a shorthand. They're not like secretly the, the polar bears, right? And they call them Utes. They're actually the Utes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a Gonzaga thing where everyone just calls them the Zags, even though that's not their nickname. They actually are the Utah Utes. Okay, I apologize. I'm not that familiar with Utah football. So we got a good reminder from the Texters. And again, it's bowl season. You can get two free weeks during this bowl lead up. Maybe buy yourself something for the holidays, four bucks a month after the two-week free trial, 614-350-3315. Good reminder from the Texters. We did a quick survey after the announcement of the Rose Bowl on Sunday afternoon, after the announcement of the playoff. Everybody knew Ohio State was going to the Rose Bowl and not being in the playoff. But like the level of interest in this, and Nathan – there's a part of me that is like, well, if they're not playing for a national title, I wonder how much people care. Like that, that's been something that has been ingrained in me to some degree for 17 years now. Is that where are you sort of on that scale with the Ohio State Buckeyes? This is the first time that you've covered a season. This is your third year on the beats. First time they're not in the playoff. That would be my assumption, too. Or maybe not that people don't care. I don't think people care that much about the outcome of this game. Though I think there's some angles to that that we already talked about on on the video we already did, and I think we can talk about more. But I don't think people are invested in this game. I think people are invested in whether or not Ohio State looks better in this next game than they did the last time they saw them and what that means for fixing what they think are maybe starting to become some like for lack of a better term, systemic problems, especially on the defensive side that have to get corrected going into 2022. I think that's what people are interested in. They need to see some kind of progress as you head off into this off season. So that's what I want to talk about. I asked, I asked the texters that um, Steven, you came on the beat late in 2018, the year last year, Verbin Meyer, the year that they went to the Rose bowl last as you get a vibe, do you think there's an expectation of like playoff or bust with Ohio State fans or or not really? Because, again, I, I think it goes without saying. 
I think this is still, well, actually, maybe it's not true. I'll let you answer because I was going to make an assumption that actually might not be true. Where are you on this, Stephen? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, that season was even because they were still kind of in the hunt back then. You didn't really know until the announcement was made whether they were making the playoff right. or not. We knew coming into the day they're not making the playoff. It's just kind of confirmed that they're going to the Rose Bowl so we can move on with our lives. I don't – there's like a 95% playoff or bust situation, but I do feel like Nathan is right in that you're, if it's not going to be the playoff, well, give me a reason for optimism. And Dave says it all the time, it's either personnel scheme or coaching. The, the, the scheme and the coaching can't be fixed for this season. That's, it is what it is, and that can be fixed in the offseason. But the personnel side of it can maybe – that can pique your interest because this is an opportunity, whether it's bowl practice or just the bowl game in general, for younger guys to step up and show you that they're ready to maybe take a, that next step in their development going into the offseason and going into the next season. So that's if there's any interest, it's more about the players than it is the coaching staff or the scheme because none of that can change right now anyway. I mean, people care about spring football. and There's no playoff at the end of spring football, right? That This is a right. version of spring football. Bowl practice is a little bit like spring football in some ways. I was going to say that if you're not in the playoff for a Big Ten team, the Rose Bowl is the next best thing. But I maybe that's not true because I do think there's like, well, you know, it's like, is it really about the venue or is it about the opponent? Right. That, oh, man, they got a really interesting SEC opponent. You're like, oh, man, they're playing. What if they're playing Oklahoma? Like Oklahoma was a crap show this year, but it's like, oh, they're playing Caleb Williams. Oklahoma has a lot of good players. What if they're playing Clemson? Like Ohio State fans hate Clemson. That's how Ohio State and Clemson go play in a bowl. That's not for anything other than we don't like each other. Uh, do you think it's right, Nathan? And I don't, th- again, sometimes we get on this podcast and I immediately get worried when I hear myself in my headphones, my pink headphones. And I say, are we making it sound like we hate this thing that we're covering? Like, the, you know, like <laughs> the Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl. And that exists to some degree, even in the playoff era. So I don't want it to make it sound like we're saying like, ah, the Rose Bowl, because we have some text to response on that. But Nathan, do you think it matters more like if it was a big time cool opponent, they could play in a parking lot in Toledo when it, it's not as much about what mountains are in the background of the of the building that you're playing in? I mean, when I was considering going into this weekend and you looked at the possibility that Alabama could lose to Georgia, now Alabama gets knocked down into this group of six conversation, you're like, man, what if Ohio State and Alabama were getting on the field with each other? And But you knew that there was really no avenue to that unless Iowa upset Michigan. So, I mean, that seemed a lot more fun. Like, there's not a lot of fun in the Ohio State-Utah matchup. There's like this Urban Meyer dalliance. There, it, now, it does what we were just talking about, like the um, – how much you, how much Ohio State proves it maybe fixes some of the problems it had. Like I think Utah challenges them in some of the same ways Michigan did in some interesting ways, but that's kind of inside baseball. I don't know that it like gets, it doesn't really raise the 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 blood of the fan base that much. Maybe your maybe your poll results will tell us differently, but I I, I think there. So I would push back, like because you asked when we asked Ryan Day today about the Rose Bowl, and we was first asked about it at, at the press conference today. He was like, yeah, you know, it's a you know, it's a great tradition. And, but, you know, I mean, like you can tell when their heart is in what they're saying or not. And, and there's a different trajectory here of, of these two teams for like, for Utah, there was a point this season where getting to the Rose bowl became like a huge goal for them. And then they went out and achieved it. And for Ohio state, it's kind of like this hand-me-down thing 
that they usually are the ones passing down to everybody else because they're going to go do something better. And now they're the ones who have to accept it. Yeah, I just don't think it matters that much anymore. And and I, I understand that there's some traditional older Ohio State fans where the Rose Bowl still does have some of that shiny niche to it. But people my age and younger, it's just we didn't make the playoff. That's why we're here. That, and that's especially for this group, especially now that Ohio State recruits more nationally and there isn't as much of a it's not as much of a regional team anymore. If you ask these players about the Rose Bowl, they're not going to even remember an Ohio State game. They're going to remember USC versus Texas in the national championship game. That's anybody my age and younger. If you bring up the Rose Bowl, that's what they're thinking. And so it just doesn't have that same niche to it. So it's a cool consolation prize, but it's nothing more than that. So is that is this is this more a reflection that the Rose Bowl has lost sort of its grandeur or is it just playoff or bust? If you're not playing for a championship, it's just a vacation and no big deal, no matter where you go. It's playoffs. Well, there's some of that, but I do think the opponent is a, is a bit of a factor here. I mean, you're playing a three loss Utah team that um, has played well down the stretch, but it's I think if the. Like, let's face it, if this were like 10 and 2 Ohio State versus 10 and 2 USC that was like ranked in the top 10, there'd be more juice here, right? I mean, like in 2016, when Ohio State made the playoff and Penn State did not, and Penn State went to the Rose Bowl and played USC that was just yep. working Sam Darnold in, and they played like a 55 52 game in the Rose Bowl, and it was like, that was practically, that was better than a playoff yeah. game. Yeah. And what yeah. I was thinking, you know, we've had discussions in the past before about, you know, Ohio State going out west. We talked about this with the Fiesta Bowl in 2019. Like, if Ohio State can go out west, how does that help them out west? If you go out and have success out west on that stage in front of those people. But I, I wonder if the Rose Bowl, if that only works, if you're going out west and having a success against somebody that already has some, it's like real cachet out west. You know what I mean? Like, I think if they were to go out there and beat USC or UCLA or Washington or Oregon, which I don't think anybody was really looking forward to that rematch. I think that would maybe do that. I just don't know if playing Utah does that. That's fair. If Oregon and Ohio State hadn't played in the regular season and Oregon had beaten Utah, that that would be a much more interesting game. Yes, because it's the best team. It's the two most prominent teams, whether they were the best teams or not. It's the two most prominent teams in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten playing each other. I was I've this compares in a lot of ways, I think. Probably less to the actual last Rose Bowl in 2018 because that was so caught up in it's Urban's last game and Urban's never been to the Rose Bowl. And it's a coaching transition. And my God, it's like it's the end of Urban and the start of Ryan Day. And it was there was so much to that. This is a little more like 2017 when they went to the Cotton Bowl and played USC. Right. And it was like it was just it was just a game against a team. But that was when Sam Darnold was going into the NFL draft, right? It's like, hey, they're going to play this guy. They mm-hmm. shut down Sam Darnold. Like, that was kind of a big thing. Like, there was there was a little more juice to that. I wonder, Stephen, if they were playing Pitt, right? Pitt's in, a, in, a, in the Peach Bowl, I think. If they're playing Pitt and Kenny Pickett, if they were playing Ole Miss and Matt Corral, if they were playing North Carolina and Sam Howell, if they're playing Liberty and Malik Will, Willis, like Wills or Willis? I'm sorry. I get Willis. that confusing. It is Willis, I think. If they were playing one of those guys, like a first-round quarterback, oh, man, like it's always yeah. – we always talk about there's no good quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Let's see what this defense does against that. Or or they're going to play, you know, I don't know. If they were playing Oklahoma State a couple of years ago in Chuba Hubbard. Like I'm just trying to think of like sort of like random interesting talent that Ohio State doesn't come across. Would that be more interesting than Utah in the Rose Bowl? 
Yeah. One, because I think the Kenny Pickett one gets interesting because like he and there's a chance that he and CJ Stroud might both be in New York. And like none of them are neither one of them are playing for a national championship, obviously, in the Heisman will be decided by them. But it's just now these two get to, these two Heisman finalists get to get on the field against each other. Let's see who can outduel the other one. But then also, yeah, it's it's literally 2017 again where you've got a decent except the defensive line isn't as good, but it's a decent defensive line going up against this, you know, Heisman trophy level quarterback who's probably gonna be a first round draft pick. That would be more interesting because they're names. Right. It, it, this Utah thing is very much just like Michigan of the West, which has now gotten to fans heads of, well, they're just going to do the same thing Michigan and Oregon and Minnesota did to us instead of just like this exciting thing that like kind of pops out at you at, at headlines. I almost think of it, Nathan, sometimes it's like, well, what's the ABC teaser going to look like? And I do think there's going to be a lot of shots of the mountains in the Rose Bowl. Right. Because it's going to be like CJ Stroud, Garrett Wilson, Trevion Henderson. Mountains, history, Woody Hayes. One time Urban Meyer worked there, right? <laughs> I mean, just there's, it's hard. Devin Lloyd is legit. Devin Lloyd, their linebacker is like going to be a top 10 pick. Like Devin Lloyd is going to probably be the second best defensive player they face this season behind Aiden Hutchinson because they didn't play Kayvon Thibodeau, but it's hard. All right. I, I'm actually going to not make you answer because it's like, there's no point. The textures actually care more than I expected. Let me ask you this. These are my options. How would you describe your level of interest in Ohio State playing Utah in the Rose Bowl? Very interested. It's the Buckeyes in the Rose Bowl. Moderately interested. I want to see how Ohio State bounces back. A bit interested. I love Ohio State, but this is a step down from playoff expectations. Or not much interest. Nathan, how many people, what percent did not much interest get, do you think, Nathan? How much did not much much interest? Not much interest. Not much interest. Got what percent of the vote, would you say, of those four choices? 3%. Steven. Six percent. Okay. So you're I thought maybe you guys would have thought it was higher based on the conversation we just had. Five percent. So only five percent of people are like, ah, I'm like I'm almost totally out. The thing, like, it's still your team. People listening to this, right? They know that it was still, I mean, it's your team. They only play like 13 or 14 or 15 games a year. So this is one of the 13 times they're gonna play this year, and it's a historic thing. Very interested one. Very interested. The mm-hmm. top, the top thing did win 40%. It's a plurality, not a majority. 40% very interested. 32% moderately interested. So the top two got three quarters. 22% a bit interested. 5% not much interest. So three quarters of the people are like, yeah, no, no, I care. I care. I care. So I think that is worth keeping in mind for everybody. So, um, you know, we're going to figure this out, but it's more about, I would imagine it's more about Ohio State in the end and Ohio State playing anybody than it is much about the opponent or the site. There's also just like enough going on with this team that you're, uh, Ryan Day's kind of at an interesting point in his juncture at the, as a head coach where people are trying to see how this is going to go. And whether this game matters or not, you're kind of trying to, check off things of like, all right, this is our guy long-term. Okay, C.J. Stroud's our guy long-term. Okay, the defense sucked this year, but these the, this, this list of names right here is a reason why things can get better in the future. And so I think that's really where the, the interest is because you don't care who wins the game or not. It's just more about you, know, you want to make sure your program is still headed in the right direction, especially given the land, how the landscape of college football has kind of changed a little bit here, given some of these coaching hires. All right, so let's take a break there. When we come back, we got to talk about Quinn Ewers and what Ryan Day said about that. 
on Sunday when we talked to Ryan Day for about 25 minutes or half an hour and get into a couple other things about this Rose Bowl, about the playoff, about our listeners' thoughts about the playoff, and then what we're not going to talk about on this episode next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan, Stephen. So we are very interested in like sort of the status of the Ohio State program. And Nathan, we talked with Ryan Day. He got multiple questions because he brought it up multiple times. The idea of like, what's this week been like? It's been tough. Like, this is a weird spot for Ohio State. We're not going to talk about that on this podcast, because I think where is Ohio State? I think is like the Thursday pod. And I think we need to delve into that. And I don't want to brush across it right now. So we want to talk about the Rose Bowl. We want to talk about the playoff. We're going to have some Heisman stuff at the end because on this is the Monday pod. We're giving this to you guys Sunday night, but this is going to be the Monday pod also. We're not going to do a separate Monday pod. So the next pod that you will get from us is going to be, will come out Tuesday morning. And that will be after the Heisman finalists are announced Monday evening. We will wait and record until that happens. So at the end of this podcast, we'll give our thoughts about what we think C.J. Stroud's chances of getting to New York are. But we're going to do some playoff Rose Bowl Heisman stuff, and then we'll get the state of the program later in the week. But as we think about that, in the end, the most interesting thing about this Rose Bowl is what it's going to tell us about Ohio State. Is it going to tell us that much, Nathan? So we know, okay, but okay, what are the things that actually are big deals right now? The defense, how's it going to get better? Who's going to be the coordinator? How are they going to improve that side of the ball? Sort of like C.J. Stroud's development. Do they change their offensive philosophy a little bit? Are they too finesse? Whatever, any of that stuff. Um, I don't even know what else. Like they, they need to stop the run and, and run the ball better, offensive line stuff. Will we? Le- Do you think, Nathan, we have a decent chance to get a read on? Oh, yo, yeah, hey. They did get better. They are heading into the offseason on an uptick based on the way they play in the Rose Bowl. Do we even have a chance to infer anything about the state of the program and how they play? I do, uh, in so much as they may be about to miss some guys for that game. We don't know who's going to play in that game. Ryan Day says as of right now. He thinks everybody will play, but you know how these, these, these things go. And there may be guys who decide not to play, but those aren't the guys who are going to decide how good this team is in 2022. And this is, you know, uh, this game is an opportunity for some of those guys to either make that statement or for some other guys to emerge over the next three weeks and start to fill in some of the problems. I understand what you're asking like there, because in some ways, like the I, things that we feel like are maybe just kind of identities of this team right now, like they are susceptible against the run they do have some some times where they struggle to run the ball on their own. Um, I don't know if that gets fixed in time for the Rose Bowl, but I think you could, it, it, as an observer, as an as someone analyzing it, you can at least see progress through the Rose Bowl experience. I think the bowl season is always the start of the next season, right? That that's right. that's mm-hmm. part of it too, and it's almost I don't I actually think it's a little less interesting because it's like well C.J. Stroud. We already have kind of a read on C.J. Stroud, and he, he's going to be back. And Trayvon Henderson, we kind of have a read on Trayvon Henderson. He's going to be back. And Paris Johnson, we have a read on him, and he's going to be back. And Denzel Burke, we have a read on him. Like, it's almost like we. it's more interesting to see guys that you don't know much about. To the point right. then, Stephen, Nathan's referencing. And so, listen, we're not putting anything. It's just, just anything anybody who knows the team would say. Who might opt out? Who opts out? Guys in there last year. 
with big time NFL chances. That's all this is. So this is a list of guys who might be in their last years at Ohio State who have big time NFL chances. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, mm-hmm. Jeremy Ruckert, Nicholas Petit Frere, Thayer Munford, Haskell Garrett, Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, Cam Brown, Seven Banks. Mike, I don't Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. They're not mm-hmm. all gonna opt out, but there's a batch of guys, Stephen, that you could see some of these guys thinking about it. And I actually think there's a world where it's probably better for Ohio State if some guys opt out because A, it's going to give some young guys a chance. And B, if they lose to Utah, you can say, ah, well, some of our best guys opted out. doesn't really count. Like putting your best on the field and being like, Ohio State was legitimately 10 and 3. And they played four teams that were ranked. They're one and two in the top 25 that was put out Mm -hmm. by the playoff ranking, by the playoff committee. They're one and two. They lost to number two. They lost to number 14. They beat number 10. Now they're playing number 11. So if you are like legitimately one and three against ranked teams, you know, not great. If you're one and three against ranked teams, but there's some big old butts thrown in there then you can brush it off because people blow off bowl stuff at the end of a coach's career. You say, Hey, he was eight and three in bowls. And you act like it's a big deal in the moment. If you feel like your team didn't try, you blow off the loss. I actually think Steven, they're a little better off. If some dudes don't play. I think you might be able to, I wasn't thinking about it that way, but now that you like pointed it out, I think they might be better off. The more of these guys who don't want to play, the better it is for Ohio state because Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are awesome. Everybody knows that. But what if Julian Fleming, Emeka Ibuka, and Marvin Harrison are awesome alongside Jackson Smith, the Jigba? And you go, oh, they had 3,000-yard receivers this year. They're going to have it again based off of what we saw today. If, but what, and what if Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison opt out? And so it's just a bunch of JT Tuimaloau and Jack Sawyer. And uh, I don't know, some t- maybe Darion Henry Young gets snapped too over outside defensive end. It's like, oh, they're getting home. Oh, Talik Williams has three sacks today. He's getting home. What if and what if you know, Marcus Williamson just like, oh, I'm done. And so we get a lot of Cam Martinez or we get a lot of Ja'Kalen Johnson or a lot of Jordan Hancock, you know, just because they got to play because they don't have other options and they win and they look awesome doing it. Now you go into the now you come off this month of just kind of misery for fans. And it turns from that to, oh, this team's going to be really awesome next year. Michigan better watch out. By the way, uh, for all the people who are listening to this and diving to turn their radios off because they think this is ridiculous, why are we talking about like it would be great if 10 guys opt out? We understand that side of it, too. So we know what you're saying. And we don't think 10 guys are going to opt out. But there is sort of a perception that can play here. Go ahead, Nathan. Well, and I was about to say, the tricky thing is, you know who else would really enhance their future standing by getting like three sacks in the Rose Bowl? Tyreek Smith and or Zach Harrison, like there's, I don't know if I agree with that. The list of guys, the list of guys that you named though, Doug, well, maybe not so much them, but there's definitely guys on that list that need still to enhance their NFL resume, right? No, I don't know that you could. I don't know that any team looks at what one guy does in a bowl game after a year or two of being a starter against what is like an overmatched Utah team. And I don't think it changes their draft status. I think you put much more at risk from a health standpoint and maybe a looking bad standpoint than you can gain from a, I had a good game in the Rose bowl against Utah standpoint. Maybe there, there are some guys there though, that like 
where even just like their health was a question this year. Seven Banks being chief among them, Cam Brown being. So that's I don't know. I think you could argue both sides of that if you're them, if you're if you're looking at it from their perspective. Are you saying I need to avoid injury or I need to go in and prove how healthy I am and how well I can play when I'm had three weeks off and I'm fully healthy? I'm just saying that that I think that exists out there for some of these guys that it might not be as cut and dry as we think. I see where you're coming from, but I think I agree with Doug. And a prime example of that is Kendall Sheffield and Jeff Okuda both played really well against Washington in that Rose Bowl. And like Kendall Sheffield still got drafted where he got drafted while with Jeff Okuda, that was basically the launching point of why he was the number three pick in the next year's draft, which is like, I think it's a, that's a, a post I've actually been thinking about. It's like who are going to be this year. Like we do have Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker award every year. I think a Jeff Okuda award in a bowl game like this is just as interesting of like, who are the guys who are going to take this game? And then a year from now, because of the way they played in this game, it's the launching point for why they end up being, all Big Ten level, all American level, whatever level going forward. Who takes this game and then takes that next step in their career? But even Sheffield was like, what, a fourth round pick? I think mm-hmm. that's right. I mean, we might, some of those guys on your list, Doug, are like six, seventh round picks at best. No, 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 no. I know. I know. And I and I think it's more likely that the higher, the guys with higher yes, yes. projections yeah. would be less likely to play. Yes. Um, and again, we just said, you know, Ryan Day, was asked about opt-outs. Opt-outs are just part of it. I know, like in 2017, some Ohio State fans really, I thought, did not show their best side in reacting to Denzel Ward opting out in a world where his father had passed while he was in college and he was trying to protect his family in a bowl game that, like, didn't matter. And there's a certain, I don't think it was a large slice, but it's like, heads up to Ohio State fans who, like, got mad at Denzel Ward. Like, I think there's probably going to be more coming. That's based on no information. It's just living in the world and everybody can act like their program is different. And our guys, listen, man, if you're not in the playoff, guys are going to, anybody can opt out if you're not in the playoff. So let's not think that Ohio State's that different than anywhere else. Ryan Day said guys have pride and they're competitive, but we were just like, Ryan Day, watch. We would advise Ryan Day to be careful with how you talk about that. Because you don't want to imply that anybody who opts out is not competitive and doesn't have pride when they have possibly millions of dollars on the line at the end of what was a disappointing season, right? Like it's disappointing for Ohio State just because Ohio State always expects to go to the playoff. Let's talk about Quinn Ewers a little bit right here because I do want to get to some playoff stuff before we get out of here. And I don't want to go super long because we're going to have a ton of things to discuss deeper with the program. Where is Ohio State? Where is Ohio State? I think is almost the overriding question of bowl season, right? I mean, it's like like in in comparison to Michigan, in comparison to Notre Dame, in comparison to Alabama, in comparison to LSU and Oklahoma and USC and all these teams and Clemson. It's all these moving parts. We talked about this on the playoff show. It feels, it sounds like maybe it'll have happened by the time you guys hear this, that Brent Venables is going to get hired as the new head coach at Oklahoma. That is huge for Clemson. Like this is, you're talking about a world where the major powers in college football, there's a lot of stuff moving in and out. And so it all, it doesn't directly affect Ohio state, but how good those programs are affects Ohio state. So we want to talk about Quinn Ewers, Nathan, Not a lot of answers from Ryan Day other than admitting he was sort of, I think the phrasing is right, that he was caught off guard maybe by Quinn Ewer's decision to transfer right now. I was a little surprised to hear Ryan Day say that because sometimes things happen that are a surprise to fans, a surprise to media, and then the team is kind of like, listen, man, like we kind of, right? You're around these guys every day. You're talking, you're... And, and you're preparing for things. 
I thought there was an opportunity for Ryan Day to say, hey, we kind of had some inkling. That's why we partly why we brought in Devin Brown. He could say, well, we got a quarterback in this class. But he didn't say that, Nathan. What did you think of, of sort of all of Ryan Day's answers on Sunday to the Quinn Ewers transfer? Yeah, and w- as far as like being caught by surprise, we, you know, we don't know. It could be that they were scheduled to have a conversation and then Ewers decided – you know what? It, I'm ready to go now. You know, I don't need to have that conversation. You know, I, I, we don't know. It's certainly, I thought was apparent in the way that he talked about it, that they were upfront and honest with viewers about what this situation was going to be like this year. And I think we thought that all along that we didn't think that viewers came in with two weeks ago before the season, thinking he was going to play a lot and that they were, you know, tried to keep a dialogue going of, of what this was going to be like for him. But it also was obvious the way they talked that he he sort of sees like outside influences or the the autonomy that the players have now, essentially, in this new world as being a complicating factor here. Right. That that's a contributing factor into why yours isn't here anymore. And I think there there is a lot. We talked about this, I guess, the other night, but like everybody is sort of walking through this together still very fresh. I mean, we're still six months in really on the name, image, and likeness stuff. And the first time uh, eligibility for first time transfers and all that stuff. And I don't think that uh, he, he, the best point I thought he made today was that it's, it's, it's hard to talk yet about the ramifications of some of these things because they are still, they're happening in real time. And the, the actual effects of it aren't known. Like you, you, it's they're, they're reacting to things without knowing exactly how everything's going to play out. The the thing is, and, and he did make a good point. And one of this is like, well, I mean, you make millions of dollars, you, part of the job is figure it out. But for instance, the NIL legislation and the one time transfer legislation is separate, but it's completely linked. Uh-huh. And this is a, a prime example of that. And would you change anything about NIL? Would you change anything about the one time transfer rule if you thought about them? collectively rather than on their own. I'm not saying that you would, but clearly for now, the NCAA has not thought of them collectively. Well, they, we decided you can do this. And we also decided you can do this and then combined chocolate and peanut butter. Sometimes it goes well together, but if it's chocolate and Tabasco sauce, (laughs) 614-350-3315 to send in what you think would be the worst thing to go along with chocolate, right? (laughs) Then you can say, well, these don't go together at all, but like on their own, they're both good. So they're good. Dabo Sweeney was saying, I guess, the same kind of thing, because all the coaches are having their, hey, you're in a bowl game press conferences and everybody's getting asked these kind of questions. And they're all going to say that because like, ah, oh, you know what? We should have done a better job. It's not a great answer. So I don't want to cover, I don't want to cover ground that we've already covered on the Quinn Ewers emergency podcast. But one, one thing Ryan Day didn't get asked today was and I said I sort of wish I had asked a version of this is like do you think you could have done anything different or better that might have encouraged the chances of Quinn Ewers staying here and I don't know what the answer to that question is and I'm not saying that the answer to that question is yes I'm not saying that it is I think it's possible that it's yes even in a one-time transfer NIL he graduated early he showed up here he's from Texas he you know like all that stuff I get it so you know, again, I, I just, Stephen, I, I don't want to go over things we've already said, mm-hmm. but um, that idea, I guess my my 
guess would be, Stephen, that Ryan Day would say, no, we did everything we could, and this is just how it worked out. Do you think that's what he would have said? That's what he would have said. And there probably is a, a version of that answer that is yes. It's just I don't know if the first time it ever happens, that can be an answer. I think the next whoever is next, maybe Arch Manning goes through it. Who knows? I don't know. Somebody, whoever the next Quinn Ewers that goes through it, whoever ends up dealing with it, whether it's Ohio State, Texas, Oregon, whoever, they're a little bit more prepared because Quinn was kind of the first person over that hill and, you know, did it first. It's, it's, it's just a crazy thing because Quinn Ewers made more money than his position coach this year, like significantly more money than his position coach this year. I mean, that, I don't know how, like, I don't know how a coach is supposed to deal with that, 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 that reality when he's never had to deal with it before. Why are you like, opening that door for me? Why would you like, <laughs> like I, I, I don't even know why I was thinking about it, but I'm looking at, it's just, I just happened to blow up the car. It's like Corey Dennis has made $300,000 this year. That's his contract. Quinn, you are signed a $1.4 million NIL deal. <laughs> Well, but that's that's been the dynamic in pro sports for a long time. Yeah. Like the, you know, the, the managers, the best managers, the best coaches in the game sometimes make what, like a third or fourth as much as not even sometimes the best player on those teams. Uh, Doug, to, to finish the, the thought I had earlier, I thought what the thing, the smart thing that they said was people are asking him, like, do you, including me, was asking, like, well, do you need to change something or does or do the rules need to change? Do we need to change the NIL slash transfer rules? And that was kind of the extension of the point I was making before is he says, like, well, but we're still figuring out what's happening with it. Like, it's hard. We need to fig- find out exactly what the ramifications are to some of these things that are already happening before you start changing the rules again. And before you start it, 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 there. And I, I see where he's coming from on that, because it's like you until you get like what a real like until there's a stable footing, it's hard to like decide where you're going to put that next foot. Hard thing. It is one of those things. It's like. When because the teams aren't paying the players, and this is we don't need to cover this right now. But as soon as you start having money involved, then I think you can start making decisions based on competitive balance, based on other things, because you're getting paid. Because then it be all it all comes part of something that in a deal world will be collectively bargained. That you think of things holistically together, and that's clearly not what they're doing now. But the whole thing about one time transfer is like, hey, like they're not employees. How can you prohibit them? And they're not an employee because of nil. But money changes things. And I do think there's a world, not that the the players, not that the teams and the program should be in charge of their outside endorsements, but somewhere along the line, once you're getting paid, sometimes you don't get to do whatever you want to do, right? Sometimes you have responsibilities or buyouts or I I don't want, that's not what we're doing. Well, that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. I know, I know, I know. That's not even the road I was going down. I was just going to say, I think some of these companies will also start getting smarter with who they give their money to. And that you know, may, it may rectify itself. Capitalism yeah, yeah. may, may like, figure this out. Like, don't give $1.4 million to a four-string quarterback. Give it, like, it's the fact that Quinn Ewers is in that Riker commercial with the starting right tackle, the starting uh, running back, and one of the three starting cornerbacks is just one of these things is not like the other. That's, and, the, may, that's part of the rectification here is you give that money to the starting quarterback instead. Yeah, somebody will figure out. Yeah, it's not about who you are coming in. It's what you are. And so, yeah, yeah. the company can say, we're going to have an endorsement deal with the Ohio State starting quarterback. We're just going to wait and figure mm-hmm. out who that is. <laughs> and then we'll do a commercial with him. So um, I don't know. I, wh- here's the, my last theory on this, which is not directly related to this. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. Would it have been wrong to say the two biggest priorities for Ohio State football this year are – a, this team winning as many games as it can win 
being as successful as it can be, everybody part of it, who is part of it, being their best in 2021. And number two is making sure that Quinn Ewers feels good about what's up so he doesn't leave. Like, would that have been a bad approach? Like, Corey Dennis, hey, listen, and I'm not saying Corey Dennis did anything wrong. Maybe Corey Dennis did this. But like Ryan Day, we all think like Ryan Day is right there developing the quarterbacks. Corey Dennis, why don't you see if Quinn Ewers wants to have lunch every day with you? Why don't you leave? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, would that have been a wrong approach because he's the top rated quarterback in the country and he's here early and he doesn't have his guys and he is from Texas and it is a little weird. So we're going to wrap him in a blanket of tough love to encourage him to not leave. And that is our second priority to the success of this season. Would that have been right or wrong, Nathan? That seems like what 2022 would have been to me if he had come in Mm -hmm. on the regular schedule. I think 2021 and coming in at the time he did, the way he did made that complicated because I actually think, and we had this conversation after the Oregon game, and maybe it's even after the Tulsa game, but certainly after the Oregon game, uh, right around in that juncture of the season where we're like, well, if they lose again, then this whole thing becomes about having the best quarterback possible for 2022, which means you have to start playing other people. And then obviously CJ Stroud figured some things out and, and, and here we are. But I, the thing that we're not mentioning in all this conversation is maybe Quinn Ewers got here and saw how far behind he was compared to the guys they have and saw up close that he wasn't going to be able to really compete for time, even in 2022, regardless of which of these other guys are still on the, on the squad. You know what I mean? So I feel like I know what you're saying, Doug, but I don't know that it would have changed the math that much here because he still would have had to, there's that gulf still would have existed for 2022 probably. And no guarantee. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know that it changed things competitively very much. Yeah, I I agree. I think he doesn't, if he doesn't show up now, and then it's a situation where he just doesn't beat out CJ next year. I think that's exactly what you do because Kyle's not leaving. He's still here and he's trying to compete for next year, whether he actually does it or not. We'll see. But I think that would have been a perfect plan for next year in the sense of like, hey, dude, you didn't win the job as a true freshman, which is actually pretty normal right now for people to do. You just sit behind CJ for a year and then you take over in 2023. But I also think the idea you're presenting makes sense, but it's also a two race street. You know, Corey Dennis can go, and I'm not blaming Quinn Ewers at all, but it's, 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 I don't even know who to blame here. I don't know if anybody is to blame or not, but Corey Dennis can go talk, go sit next to Quinn and go, Hey, you want to go to dinner? Hey, you want to go to dinner every single day? But we're talking about an 18 year old kid who shouldn't be here, who's probably homesick and doesn't know anybody. And he's probably a little standoffish when he first gets here. So he's probably not built any strong relationships with everybody. So he just probably goes to practice, goes to team meetings, and then goes and sits in his room every single day. And he probably didn't get comfortable until on the Michigan State game. So that that plays a role in this, too. Was he ever actually comfortable here? Which is a feelings conversation, I know. But that matters when you're talking about a teenager. No, I know, which is why his coach should go to lunch with him every day. That's why I'm saying that. I agree with yeah. you. You're acting just, like the, we're acting like the adults here didn't have. Oh well, what are you gonna do? You no, know how teenagers are. I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're, so you're right. We're it's a hypothetical conversation. I do want to have yeah. this conversation. I want to have this conversation. Nathan, you texted this out the other day. 
the idea of after the sort of this your stuff happened that you said there were some, and I have not had a chance to go through a lot of them. It sounds like you did have a chance to go through a lot of the texts. There was some expression of uncertainty about CJ Stroud. Is that a fair, how would you, what was, how would you characterize what some of our tech subscribers who are a smart, loyal, hardcore, informed, educated, representative sample of the Ohio State fan base. Are there, is there some uncertainty about C.J. Stroud that would contribute to any extra, oh, I really wish Quinn Ewers didn't leave, knowing that when we did the Quinn Ewers podcast, the main reaction was a little surprised, a little ticked off at how it worked out, but it's not that big of a deal. So this would be a minority of fans who would be saying this, but what was your Stroud vibe that you got from this situation? No, and it was a minority. It was not a, a, a plurality of people or I could be in like an abundance maybe, but there were several handful who kind of expressed this um, sentiment that they think Stroud just isn't a winner and that um, he's good in this system. He had a great year in this system, but if yours has a chance to be special, then you should do whatever it takes to keep yours. And that you're going to look back someday and regret and think, well, you took, this sort of sure thing that maybe had a certain ceiling over the Ewers thing that had a higher ceiling and the unproven Ewers thing that had a higher ceiling. And my, my, my reaction to that was sort of twofold. It was like, number one, CJ Stroud's not the reason this team lost to Michigan. I don't know how anybody could, or that's an insinuation. Like, I guess we could have that podcast sometime, but I think the moment has passed and I have watched that game a couple of times and I don't come out of that thinking that, that CJ Stroud's reason they lost that game to Michigan. And then also B, um, I, I just, it's not like Quinn Ewers not becoming great would be unprecedented. Like, yeah, I, I think there's something to be like, I don't know. I, I keep coming back to, I don't know that this, the decision seems to be out of Ohio State's hands to some extent. I don't know what you're, you're saying, Doug. I think you make a good point that yes, Ohio State should have done everything that could have done to keep him. But I mean, he's only looking at schools in Texas. This seems like a little bit almost preordained. It was, it was a messy thing from the beginning. And I think he just bailed on it. I think there is, and talking to him about it and talking to the people around him about it, there is clearly they're they're aware of it too. There is clearly a love hate relationship with CJ Stroud at this point. You know, it's, it's 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 he's an easy target to blame for stuff when things go wrong. While when he does things that are right, it's almost coming with this caveat of like, yeah, but that's because he has Garrett Wilson, Jackson, the Jigba, and Chris Olave, who are first round wide receivers and an awesome line, which is what everybody has when you are competing for a national championship. That's what happens at schools like Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. And now USC is going to start doing this. That's what happens here. But there is a clear love hate relationship with CJ Stroud that even he knows exists. And it's just what it is at this point. People are always going to be. You know, yeah, but what what would Kyle McCord be doing? What would Quinn be doing in a situation? Now it's going to be what would Devin Brown be doing in this situation? So I don't yeah, know if CJ I, will ever I, be appreciated the way he needs to get appreciated here. Well, it's not love hate. They don't hate him. They just question him. They don't hate him. Nobody hates CJ Stroud. And so do we. So I think it's like a love, and because I think the love, even some of the love, is to what you're saying, though, Stephen. It's like even the love sometimes is like like a love, but there's, it's like, is it, mm-hmm. is it CJ Stroud? Conditional. Or Garrett Wilson, conditional love. It's conditional love, uncertainty relationship. 
that I don't know that it goes as far as love and hate. It's actually like a little, it's a little bit like JT Barrett, right? Which yes. is like, well, all JT Barrett did is win, lead, win, fight his butt off, and kind of everybody wanted to replace him the whole time he was here. Mm-hmm. And all he did was like make Ohio State win. So I do think we might be in that kind of area with CJ Stroud right now. And I will say, I am not, uh, I thought CJ Stroud showed a mastery of his craft against Michigan State. CJ Stroud is not the reason they lost to Michigan. I agree with all of that. It is, it does feel like his best trait is his brain. And sometimes that is underappreciated, right? Mm-hmm. That sometimes people want you to throw a 75 yard pass or they want you to drop a spin move on somebody. And kind of the problem at Ohio State is they've had some quarterbacks who have done that. It's like, well, CJ Stroud. Where's the Troy Smith, Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, Justin Fields kind of stuff from CJ Stroud. And it's like, I don't know. He's more like Peyton Manning. But that so (laughs) so sometimes because I don't know if you guys realize realize this. You can't see someone's brain because it's inside their skull. How about that? I just learned a new I just learned a new thing today. So that if he could, if we could get an X-ray of his brain and see the synapses firing as he's processing these defenses, maybe people would appreciate it more. I will tell you, I will go into this offseason, not 100% all the way there on CJ Stroud. I just won't. Because I'm going to leave a small percentage of like, let's see what happens when the receivers aren't Jackson Smith and Jigba Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, I I'm going to have that. I am sure. whether that's fair or not. And I think probably there's a decent, there's a, some chunk of fans will do the same thing. That chunk is not half. It's not 30%. It's not 20%. It's like 7%. Is that fair? No, no, no. I'm telling you, it's probably not fair. It's irrational possibly. But if I feel it, I think maybe a couple other people feel it, and that's where it's coming out. And C.J. Stroud can throw for 600 yards on Marcus Freeman and his new defense against Notre Dame and vanquish it. But that's where I am right now, Nathan. But that's also not really even what I was talking about. I think there's people who have already sort of written him off. They yeah. just said, well, he's not a winner. He's, he, he's not the guy. They, they are making a big mistake by not just giving the job now to yours, basically. And, and I think I mean, and that is a really small minority. That that is kind of a that doesn't actually make sense, honestly. Yeah. So here's my problem with the. Let's see what happens when it's not Jackson Smith and Jigba Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Joe Burrow's receivers in 2019 were literally the two dudes who are about to win the back to back NFL Rookie of the Years, Justin Jefferson and now Jamar Chase. Mac Jones, I mean, Alabama lost two five two first-rounders, and then they produced two more first-rounders. And then they lost two more first-rounders. And guess what Bryce Young is about to have? Two more first-rounders. So it's, why is C.J. Stroud the only one He's where... Who else, is get, who else is getting that right now? Mac Jones. People Mac didn't Jones. believe in Mac Jones. People didn't they believe did. No, yeah, but then all of a sudden, he was supposed to be like the second quarterback taken off the board. He ended up not being that, but, but he, for a while, it seemed like that was, that's how things were trending. But then part of people not believing it is why it didn't happen. Uh, I think I think Mac Jones, we've talked about, I actually think sort of that Mac Jones perception, are you a product of the skill around you? What really are your great traits? I actually think that's a decent comparison to C.J. Stroud. 
And Mac Jones, a lot of people, and now there's some people who think who think Mac Jones is a product of Bill Belichick, right? And are not, and I doubt mm-hmm. him a little bit because there are the odd, the obvious physical traits don't stand out the same way as they do with Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. They don't because probably his best part is his brain, just like I think GZ's best part is his brain. So I think that's legitimate. I do think that's a comparison, and I do think. Um, I think the point you make about Burrow is a good one, but I, but I also think this, and we actually want to do have a CJ Heisman conversation. I do think you could view because Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were so experienced and you could Jackson Smith and Jigba had a fantastic year, but you could ask yourself how much of that is a product of the other people in the field around him. I think if this year was viewed more as Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson helped make CJ Stroud good, I do think next year will be more viewed as CJ Stroud helped make Ibuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, even better yeah. JSN. That's I a think fair Stroud, way to put it. Stroud will get more credit for that and should because he's going to be the veteran. He was a That's veteran. Fair. He was a young guy stepping into a veteran and Rucker, right? And a veteran offensive line. Now he's going to be the old guy having to bring some guys along. So I think there's an opportunity like, for him to get his fair credit, but I will tell you that also is why I'm 4% wondering. I'm 4% wondering if he'll look this good without Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And that's just how it is. To me, that's a better way of arguing it than just saying it's, Oh, what happens when Chris, when the first rounders aren't here? Cause just, do we see the way Brian Hartline's recruiting this room? That might be the case every single year. And I, that idea though, of, that's kind of how football works. You have a young quarterback and you've got a bunch of, it doesn't matter if it's college or the NFL level, young quarterback, experienced weapons around him, winning formula, old quarterback, young weapons around him that he needs to pull up a little bit, winning for, those are the two winning formulas in football. That's why Trevor Lawrence won a national championship in 2018. He was a young quarterback. That, that was a really experienced Clemson team. That's why Justin Fields was so good in 2019. Young quarterback with J.K. Dobbins in a defense that was just crazy awesome. That's how this kind of works here. So if that's what you're saying okay you t- can you take that next step and be the guy pulling everybody along instead of just ed- taking advantage of the weapons i'll respect that but if your argument is just simply oh he's only good because he's got a lot of talent around him this is ohio state this is how this works all the I time agree with that. i think it's a good way of saying it i agree with that so i think I th- it'll be it'll be really interesting to see cj progress in that kind of new world a year from now we'll come back we'll have a cj stroud heisman conversation briefly talk about Michigan, Cincinnati, Alabama, Georgia in the playoff. Next on Buckeye Talk. All right, let's get to CJ. I have a Heisman vote. I don't think I'll have CJ Stroud in my top three. I think it's due tomorrow morning or due by a certain time as we record this on Sunday night. In a chaotic year, I'm going to lean towards the playoff teams whose best players helped them get somewhere that was kind of weird to get this year. I don't think that there is anybody on a non-playoff team who is so who passes the Lamar, Lamar Jackson test, who is so rare in their talent that it's like, man, I, don't, I mean, come on. You know, again, if I was going to put an Ohio State guy in my top three, it still might be Garrett Wilson. It might be CJ Stroud. I don't know, but I don't think it's going to be either of them. Because, of course, Bryce Young will be in my top three. I'm really going to put Aiden Hutchinson in my, in my top three because he's Michigan's best player. He made a difference. I think they maybe would not be in the playoff without Aiden Hutchinson. And he's also supremely skilled. And I'm thinking very hard about Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. 
as the representative of a team that did a very difficult thing. And it's the question, is he better than CJ Stroud? That's not exactly the question I would ask, but honestly, if you just put Desmond Ritter on Ohio state, I certainly don't think Ohio state would be worse. I'm not saying they would be better. I think they'd be similar and his team that played an easier schedule, but also isn't as recruiting from a recruiting standpoint is not as talented as Ohio state across the board made the playoff and he helped tie it all together. And if they had Stetson Bennett at quarterback, Cincinnati wouldn't be in the playoff. So I think that's who I'm voting for. Kenny Pickett, I would have to study. If it got down to, I decided I wasn't going to vote for one of those three, and I maybe had to have a real hard, like, Kenny Pickett versus C.J. Stroud conversation, I'd have to really dig into that because Pitt did win its conference, but also, I, I mean, it's Pitt. I, I get it. And he also has a receiver who's a Belichnikov finalist. So C.J. CJ or Garrett probably for me is more like in the four or five range. But that's not saying that's for sure how I'm going to vote, Nathan. And so then the question is, Nathan, it feel, the, the Heisman Trust has announced four people are going to New York. I don't think everybody is the same place I am with Desmond Ritter. I am. We know Bryce Young is going to go. Bryce Young is going to win. Who are we kidding? Bryce Young is going to run away with it. I really do think Aiden Hutchinson is going to get there. Do we think C.J. Stroud, if those are two of the spots taken, will C.J. Stroud get one of those other two spots, do you think, Nathan? I think he will if it goes to four. And I think it's because when you actually then go compare him head-to-head with Young, the numbers are either identical or Stroud's better. So I understand the people who would say that based on team achievement that Young deserves the upper hand. If we're coming through and the way he did in a huge game the other day, he gets the upper hand, and I agree. And uh, – I don't think Stroud – I'm similar to what you're saying. Like Stroud would be no higher than third on my ballot. But I think if they're taking four, I think he gets that fourth spot. And just – I mean, taking four means the top four vote-getters. So yes. your Heisman ballot is three spots. Yes. And then they gather up all the points, and whoever the top four vote-getters are, that's who gets to go. So, Nathan, you are predicting C.J. Stroud to New York as one of the top four. Again, it's kind of weird. They always take three. One year they took as many as six. Usually it's four or five, but usually they decide on where the voting breaks and where there's kind of a drop-off. So the fact that they've preemptively announced four, I don't know if that's a nod to the pandemic and we just need to have plans in place and we're going to have four guys and we're going to have them distance this for whatever. I don't know, but it's different than how they normally do it. Steven, do you think CJ gets to New York? Yeah, I agree with Nathan one because like the Bryce Young points like, yeah, the only difference is Bryce Young came through in a game where his defense only gave up 10 points. Well, CJ Stroud's defense gave up 42, but that's not, that's I'm done with that. I think it's, he might be fourth and I'm wondering where Will Anderson comes into this in a situation where Bryce Young is a given because he's probably going to win it. I think Aiden Hutchinson at this point is a given because, I mean, he's been awesome the last two weeks when everybody was watching him. Um, Will Anderson, his numbers, you can't deny those numbers, especially when, you know, Alabama, right now they look like they might win another national championship. So I do think it's a, it's a competition between CJ Stroud, Desmond Ritter, and Kenny Pickett for that, fourth spot and Stroud's numbers are just better than both of those two. I, think I do what think hurts, it's go ahead, Nathan. Go ahead. Say, I say one thing that I think hurts Stroud 
um, is that before people would have been hesitant maybe to put a, a second Alabama guy in their top three, whether that was Anderson, whether that was, dare I say, Jamison Williams getting him as like the third guy on their list or whatever. And I think the way Alabama beat Georgia would make them less hesitant to do that. Mm-hmm. I do think I would, I actually, I wonder, I don't know that I've seen a ton of people sort of expressing the Ritter case. I do think it might end up being, if I had to guess, so let's guess on the top four. Do we all agree that Young and Hutchinson are two of the four? Yeah. Do we agree on that? Steven, who are your other I two that so. you, pr- this is your prediction, not who you would vote for. Anderson finishes third and Stroud finishes fourth. Nathan, what do you think? Yeah, that's that's probably how I'd fill my ballot out. That's not the question. Well, your prediction no, is. No, I'm saying that. I know. I'm saying that, that that that's what I predict. Also, okay. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get two defensive guys there. I think if people are going to vote for a defensive guy, it's Hutchinson. So I actually think the four. My prediction is that the four are Pickett and Stroud joining Hutchinson and Young, and I actually think I actually think CJ will finish third. I think he will finish a little ahead of Pickett and that Will Anderson will get some votes, but like not enough. And then like nobody ended up going to Georgia, whatever, wound up not really having a guy. And then do people, are people going to throw a couple? I don't even know. Like who else had like a good year that's not on a playoff team, right? That it's, So I, that would be my prediction. It's just very screwy to me. Like Pickett's not better than Ritter. I don't know why someone would no. pick it instead of Ritter. It's it's all the counting stats. Like he gets more passing yards per game, but not because of how well he throws the ball, if that makes any sense. But no, even I, with that, Ritter is like Ritter's schedule is he's played better teams than what Pickett's played. I agree. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong. Like I said, I'm I'm not I'm probably gonna put Ritter in my top three. So I just I just don't know that I don't know yeah, if that's the way the season has unfolded mm-hmm. for these voters actually the more i think about it ritter might i might vote for ritter over anderson i don't know so um okay let's talk about the playoff and how ohio state fans are thinking of because shahan and i on the college football survivor show did a uh emergency podcast that was is already up already went up sunday afternoon sort of talking about a lot of stuff on that podcast i we talked a lot about benching stetson bennett and i declared that if i had like a punk band that would be the name of my band would be benching stetson bennett and they have to do it have to do it but ohio state fans how are you guys looking at the playoff this is my well mostly just react to this poll question what is your interest in the playoff buckeye talk text subscribers so there's not like a yes and a no here or a lot and a not a lot it's a lot of weird stuff i have Uh, that's a good one i have i won't care that much i have i'm very interested it's college football so those are the two ends right i really care and i don't care and then these are the four that were in the middle i will mostly root against the sec i will mostly root against michigan i will mostly root for cincinnati and I will mostly root for Michigan, Big Ten pride. So those were the six answers. I care. I don't care. Four different levels of rooting interest. Nathan, what one? Um, mm. Rooting against Michigan. 
Stephen. What one? Mostly root for Cincinnati. I, I feel like Alabama versus Michigan in a national championship game is an Ohio State football fan's worst nightmare. No, actually, I mean, we may actually have, I was going to say have fun with this. We may torture our listeners with this at some time in the next month. Uh, you guys are, you guys got the top two. Okay. Root against Michigan, 32%. That one. Root for Cincinnati, 27%. That was second place. And those were by far the top two. Everything else kind of split. Rooting for Michigan, Big Ten Pride, 3%. Nathan made a face at that. You didn't think I'm, there was much hope for that one. Oh, I'm shocked it got three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I do think there's a point there about that. Don't care, slightly beat out, care a lot. Mm. Won't care that much, 13%. Very interested, it's college football, 12%. Will mostly root against the SEC, 12%. So we have 44% of the people whose primary interest is going to be rooting against somebody, either Michigan or the SEC. There's conference pride, Nathan. Then there's hating your rival. And then there's like the, also the practical standpoint of like, you know what wouldn't be great for Ohio state football, Michigan winning the national championship. That Mm. has to factor into this beyond. I hate the sight of maize and blue. Well, I mean, just look at where we were two weeks ago. You're going into the Michigan game, and everyone in the country is starting to talk about, man, can you wait until Alabama and, and or can you wait until Georgia and Ohio State play in the national championship game? And now, what do why do Ohio State fans have to watch? Or I guess they don't have to watch it, but what's going to be happening? Georgia against Michigan to decide who goes to the national championship game, and Ohio State's nowhere near it. I I, I absolutely think that that's part of this. That we and we talked about this going into the Michigan game. What was one of the benefits of the way Ohio State keeps beating Michigan is that you keep them down. You keep them below you. You keep them depressed down at a lower tier. And all of a sudden, you're looking up at them. At least for this season, you're looking up at them. And it it defines the next 359 days or however long we got. This is a very sick time to me because, I mean, the way Michigan just – blew Iowa off the field the way everybody knew they were going to blow Iowa off the field, the way Alabama blew Georgia's defense away by throwing the ball because they played a competent throwing team. This is, this is rough. This is probably, this is a rough time for Ohio state fans. And I don't think there's a similar negative aspect to Cincinnati's success. Cause even if Cincinnati no. wins the national title, I don't really think that slices into Ohio state a lot. I don't know that there's going to be a ton of like, top 150 national recruits or Ohio recruits who would be like, well, now I'm going to Cincinnati. They won the national title. I'm not going to Ohio state. You know what I mean? Like that, whether that's fair or not, maybe that's wrong. I mean, Luke's a compelling figure and they are a great story. So I'm not going to say it would have zero effect on Ohio state, but it would have less effect on Ohio state than Michigan success. And then Ohio state fans just hate the sec. I'm actually a little surprised that we'll mostly root against the sec only got 12%. Because it's like, it's a reminder of how much people hate something until there's something closer by to hate. And it's like, I hate the SEC unless I can hate Michigan instead, then I hate them more. So I'm well, sure everybody, almost everybody who voted would vote, would say, I also will root against the SEC, but it's not the primary thing for 88% of the people. So I understand, I agree that it isn't great for Howe State if Michigan wins a national championship. Could we argue that it would be a positive thing in some ways if, like, 
Cincinnati beats Michigan for the national championship, if it's North against North, like, does it, does it bring more respect to the North that Ohio state typically rules? Not, not uh, in this instance. Or, because... or, and now that I think about it in real time, sorry, not to cut you off, but now I think about it in real time, the, actually the extension of that logic is it's better if it's just Alabama beats Georgia. Cause then no, you're just I've, like, well, if, if Ohio state, if Ohio state drops off, then the North has no chance. Yeah. For that case of the king of the North thing, 100%. I just, with Cincinnati, it's just such a perfect timing. They had to go undefeated and they went undefeated in a year where Ohio state fell apart. Alabama dropped the game to Texas A&M. Michigan didn't look good until later. And a lot of things came together for Cincinnati to have to win a national title kind of, not to the same extent, but Michigan and Cincinnati are in a, a similar situation that LSU was in in 2019, where you've got this really good team combined with a team that is supposed to be dominating has something go wrong. Whether it's you know, with Ohio with LSU, it's you know Tua got hurt, and so Alabama's out of it. With Ohio State, it's just they had a really young team with a defense that couldn't stop the run. I think that I would imagine the ultimate national title game. Ohio State fans would root for a Cincinnati Georgia national title game. Mm-hmm. That if on on semifinal day Michigan and Alabama lose, I think that'd be a good day for Ohio State fans. And I do, but also like in a world where somehow it winds up as Cincinnati and Michigan, and like the odds of that happening, I think I think Alabama's a twelve and a half point favorite over Cincinnati, and Georgia's an eight point favorite over Michigan, which I actually think is is too high. I think people still, for some reason, are underestimating Michigan, which I just I really think is a really, really good team. A world where Cincinnati beats Michigan, every Ohio State fan in the world would be like, Ohio beats Michigan. Like, wow, against the world, baby. Oh, my God. Like that would be did it with a Buckeye as the head coach. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is instantaneous. So I think probably the chances of that are not great. I said on the playoff show, I think Alabama Cincinnati probably I think could be a good game. I think Michigan Georgia could be a great game. I think that could be like a let's see that Georgia defense when they don't have to face Bryce Young against a, a diverse Michigan rushing attack. Aiden Hutchinson trying to get after JT Daniels, who has to start for Georgia. Like I, I think that could be that could be really fun. So and it's and the thing that we talked about right. I mean, I talked about oh, at least a month ago, the idea of will the playoff be Ohio against the SEC? I mean, it would have been. If Ohio State beat Michigan, this is what, mm-hmm. we, what we talked about. It'd be Ohio State, Georgia, and it would be Cincinnati, Alabama. And like, wowza, that would have been bazonkers. But uh, Michigan's really good. Okay, we will come back on Tuesday. This is your Sunday night slash Monday pod. This is it. Tuesday pod and Tuesday morning. We'll have it up early Tuesday morning. We will be reacting primarily to the Heisman announcement that will come out Monday evening. And I think, I mean, well, that'll help us provide like even more context to CJ Stroud, to this Bryce Young, CJ Stroud connection that Stephen, I know you've compared to like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Could it be that? What does it mean for next year? I think we can talk about Bryce Young a little bit more. Um, I thought Bryce Young was like really impressive. 
I mean, obviously, I mean, like he just, he's so calm, but CJ's also calm, like just poised beyond their years in a collapsing pocket, their way they move in the pocket, the way they stay on their reads in the midst of chaos for two young quarterbacks is really impressive. Certainly one of them will be in New York. Will both of them be in New York? We all do think CJ Stroud's going to wind up in New York. And we'll talk about that on Tuesday, whether it happened or not. Then some stuff planned, certainly for later in the week. We appreciate you guys making Buckeye Talk part of your Ohio State experience. We'll come up with some good ideas and spin this for the month of December, looking not just obviously, I mean, we're not going to spend a ton of time on, we're going to spend like almost no time on Utah until like people get to California. But where is Ohio State? That is the question that we will seek to answer in the month of December. Where is Ohio State? And don't forget signing day right around the corner, like 10 days away. So we'll have a lot more stuff about that as well. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.